0: Welcome to Low on the Go, a podcast about all things on the go. This podcast will start off mostly in the travel space, but I'm definitely not trying to niche down too hard too fast. My goal is basically to encourage a life full of energy, exploration, and adventure. And honestly, I want people to feel a little less alone in the world. However, all of this may look in podcast form. I'll be talking about travel, on-the-go recipes, and taking care of your brain. So yeah, that means some mental health shit, and probably more. A little about me, I'm a 20-whatever-year-old who has traveled to just over 20 countries and has lived in four cities. I've learned a ton about the best way to pack for airplanes, how to travel cheaply but still be bougie as fuck. And I've met a lot of people along the way who know a lot more than I do, and thank God they've offered to be on this podcast. I hope you listen and leave feeling inspired and equipped to take risks, chase your dreams, and stay on the go. Until next time, XL low. Right, I have to say it again. We have Lou and Lo on the podcast today.
1: <laughs> hello, hello.
0: <laughs> so excited because this is the first time I've interviewed someone on a podcast that's actually in a different day than I am. So it's Thursday here, but it's Friday for Louis.
1: <laughs> yes, Friday morning, um, I am currently, In Ubud, Bali, overlooking the at a yoga retreat. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of surreal. Oh, my
0: gosh. Okay, I might need to change my podcast cover photo for this one to a photo of the rice fields, because that honestly sounds so glorious.
1: It is pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right. Lewis has just the craziest stories but before I dive into his story or rather before he dives into his story this is low on the go it's a travel podcast it's a uh, I'm figuring it out what it is podcast it's a figuring out your life podcast an adventure podcast a food podcast and just all the things so Um, I'm super excited to have Lewis on today. I met Lewis in Costa Rica last September, I believe. Um, And since then, he has been on a global adventure. Um, He has visited 24 countries in his lifetime. And during this kind of last, you know, nine or 10 months, he has been to nine countries. He's originally from the States and, um just in prepping for this call had the best ideas of things to talk about so anybody that's wanting to just travel the world and adventure and experience all the things in life this is the podcast for you because Lewis is just the person that has done that and I think he'll be super inspirational to all of us so thank you for being here especially as somebody that's a newer friend to me and so excited to get to hear more about your story
1: yeah I'm super happy to share it it's uh, been a crazy ride and yeah I'd love to help out you and uh, all of your listeners as much as I can Oh
0: thank you. So just kind of starting from the top, you're from Denver, right? Correct. Okay, cool. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about your adventures, how this all began, where you started, obviously Costa Rica. Um, just kind of any like anything?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, sure, sure. My journey started in September of 2020. So I had recently gone through a breakup, and I was struggling at work. Um, It was stressful, and uh, I I was reaching the point of burnout. So I started thinking, if I were to take some time off, and I didn't really know at that point how much time it would be, um, what could I do, and and what would this uh, break look like? throughout sort of the rest of 2020 and early 2021 um work just kept pulling me back i was still really motivated by admission Um, i worked for a health tech startup and we were doing pretty well um but that idea was still in the back of my mind so i was still planning hey what does time off look like um come about july 2021 and uh my company had gotten acquired and it just looked like that logical breakpoint for me to say hey let me um spend a little bit of time uh sort of reevaluating things and even though we we're in the midst of the pandemic uh, traveling around the world um so i decided to start off in costa rica um sort of on a whim Um, i do a lot of yoga and one of the ways that uh you know i i sort of recenter myself is trying to do uh yoga retreats i booked one in march of that year and um they didn't have anything open again until august so i decided to sort of take advantage of that so i went to costa rica for this yoga retreat without much of a plan and that was one of the things that uh, was a goal as I started this trip. Um, one of the like great resources that I used prior to um, doing this was this book called Something Dumb, Rear Break Your Guide to Taking Time Off. <laughs> Very straightforward. Super classic. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it had some like really practical advice. And one of them was, hey, make a list of what your values are now, and what your values during this time off were." And part of that for me was being more spontaneous, sort of living an adventure. Um, So, uh, you know, going out to Costa Rica without any plan after that really was in line with what I wanted to get out of this. And it just started the journey from there.
0: Cool. Did you know that you were going to be doing like a year of this or did you just have a month of Costa Rica or a couple months of Costa Rica and then just decided where you were going to go next?
1: I didn't have an intention to do this long. I knew I was going to do at least three months. So um, my sort of deadline to get back to the States for at least a short period of time was uh, in November Um, I was actually officiating a friend's wedding. So I knew that, you know, whatever this first part would look like, um, you know, I could do the three months and then sort of reevaluate things. And when I came back to the States, again, for a short period of time, that itch was still uh, there. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started thinking, hey, what would Asia look like Um, with the intention um, of really visiting the Philippines? I'm half Filipino. Uh, my family never, or my immediate family has never been back and I really want to see that. So, uh, uh, you know, I just decided, Hey, let me go to Asia, see how this whole COVID situation plays out and sort of, again, take it from there without too much of a, a end goal or end plan.
0: Right, right, right. That makes sense. Okay, cool. So we can pick up like in Costa Rica. So you, you flew to Costa Rica, didn't really have a plan other than this yoga retreat. So how did it, how did it look from, let's just start from the top, from, you know, packing up, packing all of your things, uh, what you brought, things like that.
1: Yeah, um, that was definitely a process. And that's evolved, obviously, over the last 11 months or so, um, you know, you know, let's back up to sort of my strategy on which countries I went to, because that then, you know, told me what actually do I need to bring? So what I wanted to do over the last 11 months was basically chase sun. Uh, So nowhere that was going to be below, oh man, my entire uh, brain is in Celsius right now. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be below say 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Okay. Um, so that really helped uh, me decide, all right, I'm just going to pack primarily you know, warm clothes and, and all of that. Um, the other strategy that I was using, what was going to be easiest to get into, whether it was from a visa perspective or COVID, mm-hmm. when I first came out to Asia in January, that was when Omicron was sort of at its peak mm-hmm. and you know, countries were starting to open back up, but it was still sort of touch and go. So I was really looking for places that I knew, you know, had lower COVID restrictions um, and made it easy for tourists to come into. Um, so all of that, like, uh, sort of dictated where it was going to go, and then the packing, uh, uh, you know, came from that. Um, what I'll say and then what I've, you know, learned with uh, what to bring and things like that. Uh, It's surprisingly easy to, uh, you know, buy things out here and, uh, you know, no surprise, much cheaper than you would find in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you are missing something, you know, just uh, uh, feel comfortable that you can find it. That, That being said, I'm excited to get back to the States to have Amazon and be able to have like one click delivery rather than having to go to a mall with 300 different stalls and trying to figure out all right which one do I actually uh buy from where can I get this dumb charger that I need
0: (laughs) right that's one Um, thing convenience is such a thing in the states and I think that maybe that's something that kind of holds people back or is like a little nerve-wracking when it comes to traveling somewhere else because like you said you you do one click and your stuff's there in in a day or you know, even two hours sometimes if you're in like a metropolitan area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a real mindset change to realize, all right, uh, you know, everything is much slower out here. So I can, you know, just enjoy myself and enjoy the slow pace. And yeah, realizing everything is going to take two times as long as you think it's going to, everything might be, you know, two times as difficult as you think it's going to be. Um, And that's okay, because that's the culture. And that's, frankly, part of like the travel experience. It's part of why you travel is to see a different way of life. And, uh, you know, part of that is, you know, (laughs) experiencing that discomfort and experiencing the lack of convenience of things.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, So going back to your other question, like what to pack, things like that, I I think the most important things are, you know, uh, uh, just flexibility. Um, So, you know, make sure you have a really uh, packable, you know, uh, rain jacket, some like light layers, if it does end up getting cold, Um, a few different two uh, i'd say or three different pairs of shoes based on whether you know you're hiking just walking around the city maybe going out so giving yourself that flexibility but being practical about things um other things that i found uh really helpful multiple atm cards i lost two atm cards at this point and it's kind of a pain to uh to get them abroad it's it's possible but it's definitely uh, uh painful um and then like with your phone i've just bought SIM cards in every country that I've been in. It's super cheap. Uh, you get on the local network and really important, especially if you're trying to call someone to, to organize something because there's still a lot around here that, uh, you need to call for things and it's not just, you know, WhatsApp or Instagram that you're, uh, you're messaging with people on. So those are, I think some of the most important things. Oh, and one more, uh, Torch lamp, uh, <laughs> flashlight.
0: Oh God. Um, there's a story there. There's a story with this one.
1: Yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> so uh, listen, I found myself in many dodgy places late at night where that's happened, but the most, <laughs> um, the, 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 the most important place it was, was actually Sri Lanka. So I went to Sri Lanka in, um, March and if you've been looking at any news uh, beyond the U.S., you've probably seen uh, Sri Lanka in a bit of a shit show right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had uh, these massive protests that finally ousted the president. But I was there right at the beginning of when all of this started to, to sort of go down. So my first week there, I'm observing these huge lines for gas. Um, four like bus drivers were waiting four hours in line to get any sort of petrol
0: mm.
1: second week there. And this is where the, the torch kind of comes into it. Um, they started doing random blackouts throughout the day. The oh. country couldn't afford enough fuel to constantly have electricity on. So I would come back to my, uh, my room and the power would be out in the middle of the day or the middle of the night. By the third week, there were 16-hour power outages. And then by the last week, there were these protests and there was a um, island-wide curfew for 36 hours that came out of nowhere. So nobody could leave their houses uh, for that time. So Sri Lanka got progressively uh, crazier and crazier. But back to the original uh, question. Yeah, I was excited to have a torch because that meant I at least had some light during these random power outages uh, throughout the country. Right.
0: And like in situations like that, you can't just use your phone because when you're 36 hours, your phone is dead and that's not something that's reliable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the last thing you want. And I mean, even more practically. So that's obviously an extreme example. Let's say you're staying in a hostel um, with a bunch of other people and you want to be respect. You want to be the respectful person. Mm. There's always going to be someone in there that's not respectful
0: Don't be that person to everyone staying at a hostel.
1: (laughs) Don't be that person. Bring a torch. Don't throw on the lights at 4 a.m. in the morning.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Great advice. Great tips. Um, When it comes to, this is kind of a a random one, but since we're still on the topic of like you being stateside, you preparing to go abroad and stuff like that, um, there's going to be a curveball. So bear with me when it comes to like, vaccines and preparing medically or as far as like travel insurance did you attack that in a super you're a super strategic person so I feel like you'll have a great answer for all of these
1: yeah yeah so I did a few things so first off travel insurance is a must I know anybody who's listening to this probably seen all of the different blogs where they're promoting travel insurance and uh you know you may be brushing it off don't relative to uh, how long you're going to be away, relative to how much your trip is going to cost. It's nothing. And you really want to have that in case something uh, bad happens, which we can touch on a little bit later. As, right at the beginning, I had sort of a medical uh, incident. So definitely like get travel insurance. That's important. Another thing that I really um, appreciated was going to the local hospital and having a travel consultation. So at least in Denver, where I lived, um, there was uh, the local hospital you could go in. What they did was evaluated, all right, here are all the countries that you're going to. Here's the vaccines that you need. We can give you the vaccines. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, these countries have malarial uh, risk if you want, we can write you a prescription for malarial pills to be able to bring. Um, oh, by the way, these places, uh, you know, have dengue fever risk. Here's a printout of all of the different um, countries you're going to go to and how you should think about them medically. Mm. That was invaluable. It, I was able to get all of my different shots there, as well as uh, just some practical tips from around, you know, protecting myself from mosquitoes, uh, uh, you know, what other medications to bring if you have traveler's stomach um, things like that so i think that was um, a really important uh trying to think what other things i planned there's practical things just in your actual life that you also have to think about do you want to hold on to your cell phone plan if you're going to be away for a long time do you really need spending, you know 50 100 150 dollars on a cell phone that you're not going to use um, car insurance was another one. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, called up my insurance company, and canceled my car insurance. But was or was able to get on this plan that was only like ten dollars a month, since it's going to be basically in storage for a while. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, you know, and especially when you're thinking about budgeting, all of the little things at home that you don't think about, you know, subscription services. Uh, make sure you do an evaluation of all those before you go off or else you're going to get some surprises on your credit card statement. You're going to get some surprises in your mail when you come back home. Mm, Good points.
0: These are all really great suggestions. Um, and I think people forget about subscriptions a lot. Those definitely add up the car insurance for sure. Like when I moved to France, I didn't know that I, I thought I could just cancel it, but the storage option is great in case like something happens to your car while you're gone.
1: Yeah, and one, one other thing I'd say is also with the subscriptions, this has been kind of a challenge for me, um, but uh, mail forwarding, uh, USPS has uh, some mail forwarding services, just make sure you're sending it to someone you trust um, and someone who can update you if you do suddenly get some random bill, as much as I'd like to believe that I have everything I want coming through email, there's always going to be something that, you know, comes through that I, I, I don't know about and probably should, you know, pay for sooner rather than later.
0: Right. For sure. Okay. Yeah. These are the practical things. And I think that these are the things that people kind of tend to, you know, think about a lot and potentially, have some worry there and stuff so i'm really glad that we were able to to walk through that and talk through that and and thank you for going through um all of those details i i am super excited to get back to like the adventure side of things and (laughs) i'm I'm sure as we continue to talk and you tell your stories like practical things will come up um but let's i think let's go back to like costa rica unless you have this is this is your timeline and your your story. So, if you want to pick back up in Costa Rica or wherever you think is best, that would
1: be awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, Costa Rica. Um, it, once I ended that yoga retreat, it sort of opened things up, and uh, you know, it was at that point that I started doing a lot of research around. Hey, what uh, what else can I do around Costa Rica? And my strategy for each of the countries was: how long do I have for this visa? and let me just maximize my time there. Um, one thing to decide really early on in the trip is how. Uh, what's your sort of travel strategy again, gonna be for each country and take things slower or do you want to sort of hit all the sites? I decided I wanted to take things slower. So that meant spending uh, more, usually I'd say a minimum three days or three nights in a place as opposed to just trying to like rush through things too quickly i think for me like that was able to give me a better sense of the place and also start to meet people so la fortuna where uh, where we met uh, was a great example of that i was able so i went out there and one thing that i really loved doing throughout this trip was finding volunteer opportunities and uh, uh, sort of pursuing those. So the reason I went to La Fortuna originally was because there was this dog shelter that I reached out to and uh, the guy there said, yeah, absolutely come over. We'd be happy to have you as a volunteer. Um, so that was part of the reason why I went out there. And obviously I wanted to see a lot of the, the sites, the volcanoes do some of the hiking, um, but it was also sort of by happenstance. Now. If I'd gone there for a couple of days, um, I wouldn't have had the same experience that I did, which was, you know, obviously getting to meet you, um, meet a bunch of other people, spend some time, you know, at this uh, dog um, rescue uh, place, getting to know the owner there, getting to know a bunch of other people there. And, you know, if nothing else, I found that no matter what city I go to, it's not necessarily about the city and the place itself. It's about the people that I've met. And without giving yourself enough time to like meet people, build those relationships, I wouldn't have had the same, you know, fondness for La Fortuna and, and for Costa Rica in general that I, I, I did.
0: Oh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yes. That brought us together. That's so, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> Who would have exactly. guessed we would, we would be on this podcast right now it's we we met on like a bus at what like 11 at night in Fortuna I think on the way to this party with my friend Katia and these two guys from Spain that we met and we thought we were getting I remember we thought we were getting there so late we were like we're gonna be so (laughs) late to this party we thought we were gonna miss the bus we had to we drove through this swamp thing and arrived at this house and we were like what is this place and you go around to the back and there's this huge soccer field there was this huge uh like dj setup with a pool it was so nice and we were the first people there
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we we, we were just uh yeah just uh trendsetters but yeah the the jungle party (laughs) in uh in costa rica was great i remember coming home um, at, like, 3 a.m. that night. The uh-huh. hostel that I was staying in, the door was locked, so I had to climb the fence, and what? then, and then, um, so uh, me and this other friend were hungry, so I, like, Scrounged around for any food that I uh, could find. Ended up making a killer shakshuka like three in the morning. Well, <laughs> I'm also looking around and roaches are just running around everywhere. Uh, so yeah, the the, the 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 whole night, super memorable.
0: Costa Rica, super lovely. Don't be scared of any little critters that you <laughs> find because they're usually really nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, we're I'll not say selling that it. <laughs> yeah, uh, now listen, Costa Rica was one of my favorite places. Um, but also realize like anywhere that you're gonna go, you're gonna have critters everywhere. One of the things I'm gonna miss, I, I was reflecting on this about Asia, um, is just being able to randomly walk in your house and see a gecko run along your wall. Um, and uh, it's just one of those lovely things that, uh, that yeah, I think <laughs> I'm gonna miss coming back home.
0: Hey, we're all carbon-based, right? You're the same as that little gecko on the wall. So don't that's,
1: be- <laughs> That's exactly it, that's exactly it. <laughs> Um, So yeah, so Costa Rica was great. I will say so. I mentioned, you know, the medical insurance came in handy. um, When a couple weeks later, I continued to travel sort of along the coast um, and go to a few other beach towns. But I got back to San Jose before a friend came into town, we were going to go to the east coast of, uh, of Costa Rica called Puerto Viejo. And I wasn't feeling that great. I did a COVID test that came back negative. It felt just like a flu. I was, you know, had fevers, um, and, and sort of sore. I was like, I'll let this ride out. It's, it's probably mm-hmm. fine. A couple days pass and I'm still not feeling that great. And the fever isn't letting up and I can barely stand up. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? I probably should go in to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, And again, at that point, literally, I couldn't stand up. Uh, The only way I could was to push my arms up and like, uh, you know, even when I was walking, I looked like a penguin because I couldn't move my uh, my (laughs) knees. So it was kind of a scary period. And when the doctor saw me, he was like, all right, we're going to order a blood test for you. And lo and behold, it came back and told me I had both dengue fever and a bacterial infection. Um, (laughs) So... It was it was a rough about ten days or so of just the most excruciating pain I had experienced in my life up till that point. And unfortunately, uh with fever, the only prescription they have is Tylenol. So I was just, you know, down in Tylenol for ten days or so before everything recovered. And I remember in my next country, uh, so I went to Colombia next, um, and I did a walking tour in Bogota and just how joyful and happy i was that hey i could walk again uh, yeah. so that was definitely a uh, an interesting and uh, definitely a low point in my uh, my trip at least in costa rica but great story
0: yeah really really interesting story you can say you had dengue fever in in costa rica and you survived it and hey i survived this, this is just another point to drive home um take care of yourself Uh, listen to any sort of symptoms you may have try and prepare as much as you can by you know going to the doctor in a a place that's you know where you're from the states europe whatever like literally wherever you're from but things like this might come up and that's okay because we're gonna hear about so many of probably the most amazing like life-changing stories that lewis has ever had but i just i guess i just want to make it really clear that like these things should definitely not scare you from traveling by any means, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just realize it's going to happen and it happens to everybody. And you can apply that same thing to, you know, your health. You can apply that same thing to, you know, travel problems. You can apply that same thing to, you know, getting fucked over by you know somebody like you <laughs> 90 95 percent of the time 99 percent of the time everything is great everything works out yeah. but there's always going to be something that comes up and, and also just realize everybody goes through the same thing so to your point don't be afraid of uh, of all that right totally
0: okay so you went you did you did san jose you did la fortuna and then where you said that you went to the coast and then you went to the east coast so like the west coast and then the east coast what was your kind of itinerary
1: yeah yeah so even before la fortuna i sort of stayed along the west coast i started in la macarena went to vita and manuel antonio and this is by the way i, I know i mentioned i tried to stay a long time in certain places this was before i really had that uh, that 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 idea set um, so did that, La Fortuna, um, then went over to, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Santa Maria or Santa Teresa on the far west coast.
0: Uh, yeah, we went there too. Yeah, so and, nice. and that
1: was, yeah, that was also one of my favorite places. Again, met a ton of like really great, really interesting people that's also where the mosquito bit me so maybe I have a mixed uh, mixed feelings about it now <laughs>
0: okay I <laughs> went was, to uh, it was great I went to Santa Teresa and was not bit by a mosquito so everything exactly you know, exactly you'll you'll be, you'll be good it's just you know things happen but Santa Teresa is yeah. super beautiful and there's like a bioluminescent it the ocean's bioluminescent so go at like four in the morning and go swim in the ocean it's magical
1: yeah I, I love the place. It was just a great like chill week or so uh, out there.
0: Awesome.
1: Um so yeah, so then did uh, yeah Puerto Viejo, and that was that was it for Costa Rica before heading off to Colombia.
0: Okay, and you were there for a total of uh, one month, two months? Uh,
1: I think I was there for five weeks, I want to say. Um, so a little over a month.
0: Okay cool and what was your favorite uh like city your favorite uh place within Costa Rica
1: Ooh, that's a tough question again I I have like a fondness for La Fortuna just for all of the great people I met and similarly I have a fondness for Santa Teresa um uh, for a similar reason and and just sort of the beauty of the beach Uh, so I would say those were my two favorite I wish I had uh I uh, uh, spent more time exploring around Puerto Viejo because everybody also says they love it. It's along the you know East coast. It's got a Caribbean vibe, but I was bedridden at that point. so just a new place to or another place I'll need to go back to at some point. Totally,
0: cool. And, and you put, and, Yeah,
1: and let me add let me add this as a, a, another important point. Um, don't feel like don't feel too much fomo um it can be easy to say oh man i'm really upset i didn't get to see this place that everybody told me is incredible because there's going to be an endless number of those throughout your trip there's going to be an endless number of experiences and the more that you can uh just understand listen i'm going to miss a lot of things but let me like really embrace and love the things that i am doing um And know that I can, you know, most likely go back and see them at some point. Um, it, 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 it's good for your mental health.
0: Totally. Yeah, you can totally go back. And also, if you think about all the things that you didn't see, you might miss an opportunity to see something that's in like that present moment or something that's in the future. So really, really okay. good advice. There's always going to be something more to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you just like you you hostled it. Pretty much the whole time, or did you like Airbnb? Or just, was there a certain point where you're like, okay, I need my own space?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it really depended. Um, I, so, how I met people, so I've been traveling solo now for the last 11 months. And, you know, there are certain times where I just need my alone time and I need my space. But for the most part, I'm an extrovert. I need to be around other people. And that's also how I learn about, you know, how I learn about the place find other or other places to uh to travel and 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 get ideas so it was normally a combination of yeah hostels um or like more social hotels um the other like way that i met people uh was through oddly enough group activities and tours so the first day i was in in a new city or in a new country i try to do like a free walking tour Because usually it's, you know, people are same age or other travelers who are, you know, really open to meeting other people as well. And I've met some of the best uh, people I've, I've, uh, you know, spent time with um, just through that. Uh, So that's been another way aside from just, you know, relying on hostels uh, uh, that I've met people and, and really gotten a lot out of that.
0: Okay, Cool. Awesome. Good advice. Love love hostels and definitely throwing yourself into tours and things like that. Great way to meet people. Yeah, and really in general
1: yeah, and in general what I'd say too is like just don't be afraid to talk with people. Don't be afraid to, you know, get contact information and like just say, "Hey, you want to hang out?" cuz everybody's sort of in the same boat. And listen, force comes to worse. Uh, you're halfway around the world. You may never see these people again. So what's the worst that happens?
0: Yeah, don't be shy is your new motto.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm going to let you take the reins again. You were talking about going into Colombia.
1: Yep. So made it into Colombia, um, spent about three, four weeks there, uh, ended up visiting Bogota, Medellin, um, Cartagena, um, Salento, and then one of the top like highlights of my trip was this uh, place called La Macarena, which was in Cano Cristales. Um, so was able to sort of bounce around uh, the country a little bit there, and yeah, just saw uh, some incredible, incredible sights in Colombia.
0: Cool. And within Colombia, did you? take buses did you drive did you fly
1: um so colombia was one of the places where people advised me to fly uh you could take buses between places and i did do one bus between medellin and salento which is the coffee region um but even that was supposed to be like a five six hour bus ride that stretched out to about eight hours and basically in Colombia, um, everywhere that you go, uh, uh, you know, is, is eight to 18 hours long. And the cost is about the same as uh, it would be to fly. So that's one of those things that you learn as you go to the country and as you talk with people. Um, and uh, yeah, you learn that pretty early on.
0: Cool. And did you did you learn these things from you know, concierges at your hostel or, or friends or like when you, when you went to Colombia uh, did you know what your route was between the cities or did you just show up in like in the capital in Bogota? And then, you know, the, you asked somebody, Hey, where should I go next? And then they were like, Oh, you should go here and spend this amount of days here.
1: Yeah. So normally what I've done when I go into countries is I have some idea of the places I want to go. Um, either from reading or, you know, the other great thing, use social media, and like ask your friends, where should I be going? So Mm -hmm. Cano Cristales was a great example of that. I had never heard of it. Most Colombians had never heard of it, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's this small uh, uh, river system uh, in the city called La Macarena that I'll call the Great Barrier Reef of Colombia. Um, It has these rivers that are, uh, uh, you know, have all of these plants that when the sun hits them turns this incredible uh uh bright purple. So it's why I say it's sort of the Great fairy Reef is like the types of colors, the vividness and the brightness. And the people who I met who were going on this same uh tour and these same journeys, um, they were like, yeah, I've heard of this like as a kid. I never thought I'd actually be here. So that's one an example of where I got an idea beforehand by just asking some friends, and it turned out to be one of the great, uh, uh, yeah, one of the greatest places that I've seen along this trip. So that's one way. But usually, I would have an idea of the cities that I'd want to go to, and then talk with people and sort of refine that. You know, if people said, uh, you know, this place isn't as great, I may just cut it off my list. Um, The other thing, and and this is more recent now, uh, now having traveled as long as I have, I'm looking for more unique experiences. Mm -hmm. So even though a place may be really high on the list for a lot of people because it has beautiful beaches or beautiful jungles, I've seen a lot of beautiful jungles already. So now I'm just trying to say, okay, what are the most unique things that I can uh, see and, and, and sort of target My trip and my travel around that. So that's, that's more of a tip and thought for sort of longer term travelers. But it's interesting how Mm -hmm. my mindset has sort of changed and evolved over the past, say, three or four months.
0: Right, right, right. That's so cool. So it's kind of like a a quality or uniqueness in the experience over, you know, something that you you want to say that you went through on Instagram or something like that. It's really, living in the present and finding something that you're going to remember that's super unique and, and different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And
1: to be fair, everybody is different, right? Like some people may, and, and I've met some travelers who just love like finding the most beautiful beaches and just like chilling on those beautiful beaches. Some people who are, you know, adventure seekers and trying to find, you know, the best mountains, the best hiking, the best, you know, like in Costa Rica, zip lining and stuff like that. So listen to yourself and figure out, like, what are the things that I want to see and experience? What brings me the most joy? And just, you know, single-mindedly go after that.
0: Right. That's so cool. Okay, I'm so keen to hear about the unique experiences that you're talking about. Um, so let's okay, this is so exciting. Let's continue on. So it sounds like so Colombia, you you jumped around a little bit for like you said a month or two. Um yep. tell me more about yep. like cool experience that you other than uh La Macarena because that sounds like literal wonderland.
1: Yeah, it 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 was it was magical. And you'll hear me say magical a lot. I've been to some just truly magical places. So I hope it doesn't sound too overused. No. Um so where else did I go in Colombia that I really like? Um, I really liked Salento, So that was the coffee region. And just to see the uh, uh, nature, the palm trees, learning about coffee, I thought that was a really unique experience. Um, even in Medellin, um, uh, again, I went on this walking tour and um, we went to both Comuna 13, which was the center of the drug trade and had this incredible view looking out over the city, which I absolutely adored. But what was even more impactful for me was the tour guide. Mm -hmm. Um, The tour guide uh, basically told us his personal story about during the eighties and nineties, when the drug trade was sort of at its peak. His two uncles got kidnapped and uh, were held hostage for a year. Him and his brother were shot in, in crossfire from rival cartel gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up having to flee to the US in order to uh, get away and, and sort of claim refugee status, but eventually got deported back into Colombia. And his point in all of this was, listen, every time you do, and he called it the white powder, just remember that there are people like me who have suffered because of that, and that was one of the most impactful things because you don't really think about the impacts that you know i'll I'll keep it a little cleaner global globalization global trade have <laughs> on level. um and but he was the face of this, and he reminded me that yeah for there are impacts to what you do, what you buy, et cetera. So I would say those were probably the three like most impactful things and and, and interesting things uh, in Colombia.
0: Interesting. Yeah. There, there's like a Bourdain episode about Colombia where he talked to somebody about the drug trade and um, we think we know so much about, everything and like the war on drugs but you it's just not (laughs) it's not what people say if you actually like go to Colombia and talk to the people who are being affected by it
1: yeah and and all this being said again Colombia beautiful country felt perfectly safe there uh you know don't let the headline and I, I would say this about every country I've traveled to don't let the headlines scare you um you know there are obviously common sense things that you should do to continue to be safe but, you know, they love tourists. Uh, they know that, you know, we're bringing in a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, they, they want to make it a safe, as safe a country as possible.
0: Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Louis, I you feel go. like if you don't have a website, I'm going to build you a website. And <laughs> I think you need to put together just your top travel spots if you want. But at the same time, I feel like you have these really unique spots that i now this is just you know me guessing but i feel like you're like i want to kind of keep
1: these locked down
0: oh no little.
1: not at all not at all not like, at all okay sh- I'm not at all <laughs> people people should people should experience that oh yeah i remembered sorry one other unique experience seeing a drag show in bogota just randomly th- th- so that th- this is one thing that um i've really embraced and it was almost since costa rica that it dawned on me like Every day, I would have an idea of how the day would play out. Um, you know, I, I would envision what this would look like. I'd, you know, say, here's the things that I want to do. And almost 90% of my days have never played out how I thought they would. <laughs> would have played out so much better. Our jungle party was uh, a good example of that. Oh, good. Um, and yeah, and ending up at this drag show in the largest club in South America is another great example of that.
0: The largest club in South America? What is it called? Pray tell.
1: It's in Bogota. Oh, what's the name of it? 15 different uh, rooms, all ranging from, you know, just like hip-hop to uh, uh, salsa to a karaoke stage, like right in the middle of it. Um, God, I can't remember right now.
0: Uh, I'll look it up. We'll look it up. I'll put in the show notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, you're looking yeah, it up. Like... Wow,
0: what an icon. Lewis yeah, is yeah,
1: yeah. on the spot. So it's called Teatron.
0: Teatron.
1: Teatron. 13 okay. themed rooms, separate dance floors. Yeah. It, was, it was wild.
0: Biggest club in all of South America. Everybody write it down. Teatron. <laughs> uh, add it to your bucket list.
1: Highly recommended. <laughs>
0: sounds awesome. Okay, so you were saying that like 90% of the time, the day did not go how you expected, but that that was pretty much the best thing ever.
1: Oh, absolutely, like, and and the other thing I um, am doing is just say yes to everything because you never know like where it's gonna take you. Um, I've taken some like pretty copious notes and like have this, I, I wanna say it's 200 page diary at this point um, <laughs> typed out. And yeah, like I've I've started listing what are my most epic nights out and all of them as I look down this list like, I would have never guessed that uh, it would have happened earlier in the day. It just happened because I said yes.
0: I love that. You are a prime example of doing it for the plot. Seriously, in like 20, 30 years, <laughs> you're going to look back and replay this in your head, all of the things that you did, and yep. just 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 laugh. Hysterically, and not believe that that was you one day. Well, actually, I'm not going to say that because hopefully you continue to do this just crazy stuff.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> but still, do over the plot.
1: Yep. Um. So that was Colombia. I guess. Uh. So my next stop, I was planning to do Guatemala. Uh. One of my friends told me it was her favorite country in the world and at that point I was ready for more cultural uh, experiences. you know Colombia uh, uh, was more about the cities was more about the countryside, etc. So I was looking at Guatemala. Here's the problem. When I checked my passport, I realized that it was uh, I had less than six months of availability left on. It. and little or I did not know at the time but like 70% of countries require you to have at least six months on your passport. And that meant Guatemala was out. So at that point, I started scrambling around and trying to think, all right, where should I go instead? Um, And, you know, I was looking at Brazil. I was looking at, uh, where else was I? Um, uh, Not Panama, another Central American country. Mm -hmm. And then it dawned on me, because this was around mid-October, it's almost Halloween. It's almost Dia de los Muertos. And there are parts of Mexico that I just haven't explored at all. Mm -hmm. So I ended up deciding, even though it felt weird being so far away from home and then coming back closer... But I decided, you know what, let me see what the Los Muertos is really like in Mexico and and see some parts that I hadn't explored before. Mm-hmm. So I ended up booking a ticket there. And Mexico is in my top two or three countries that I visited. Um, and I would have never done that had I not had this sort of mishap. So another thing that, you know, I, I've become much better at and another thing that I think is important is you just have to be flexible and sort of roll with the punches because again you never know where uh, you know life is going to take you Um, and even though it may seem like a setback or may not go according to what you had in mind it can also lead to some of the most incredible experiences of your life Mexico being one of them for me.
0: Yeah. It's usually not like what feels like a setback. Now I'm on the spiritual side, which might be pretty <laughs> obvious to most people that know me well, but like, I, I don't really believe in setbacks because I think like, I very much believe even if, though it's kind of a cliche that rejection is redirection. And so if you, mm-hmm. if you didn't go to Guatemala, there's a reason for that. And yep. um, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, to like avoid something, but also in this case, you found out that Mexico is one of your favorite places in the world and just because it's a little bit closer to home and that might have felt kind of weird because you're like oh my gosh I went
1: all the way to the equator
0: and now I'm working my way back. Uh, It sounded like an incredible experience. Did you go to Mexico City?
1: Yeah so my itinerary was I started in Yucatan so flew into Cancun but then you know I didn't really need spring break uh, for a week or so. So ended up driving farther west to the, um, to the capital of Yucatan, which was Merida, and explored all of the temples and cenotes around there while staying at one of the best hostels I've ever stayed at and making some, you know, great friends for life there. Um, So that was pretty incredible. And then went down to Oaxaca. and did los Muertos in Oaxaca, which one of my favorite cities of, uh, you know, the trip. And one of the few places I could actually see myself living in between the, you know, beauty of the city, the art, the people, the food, it all just like, the the mezcal, Um, it all just uh, uh, made sense to me. And was just a magical experience to be there and and see this celebration um, live. Uh, so I did that, and then ended the trip uh, or ended Mexico in uh, Mexico City. So did uh, uh, a number of days there as well.
0: Wow. Okay, so you were in Mexico for how long? How many weeks?
1: Uh, that was only three weeks, so relatively short.
0: Okay, and you said you did you drive or did you take a
1: bus? So that one, again, because everything was pretty far um, and I didn't think I had as much time, I ended up flying for that. But I know plenty of people and met a bunch of Europeans um, who did this basically loop from the northeastern coast all along um, the south up to the west side and just doing buses the entire time. Uh, So really easy to get around in Mexico, not an issue there.
0: Okay. And were the flights pretty cheap, like they are if you're flying around Europe, or were they kind of expensive?
1: Oh, I honestly can't remember for Mexico. I, I think they were relatively cheap. They, You know, it, it wasn't discouraging. Um, and all the places that I've been, you know, most of the flights you can get for under, say, like 60 or $80, as long as you're maybe a week ahead.
0: Right. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah, good to know it's not, you know gonna break the bank to fly to a different city
1: um, yeah.
0: I'm curious about the name of the the hostel you said it was in Merida
1: yeah it was Merida it was ooh, oh, hold on let me look this one up too
0: we're gonna have um, a, a, a lose faves in the show notes where it's like all of his top places so the super beautiful flower place in uh, Colombia and then the hostel in Merida and yeah I'll, I'll,
1: I'll yeah i'll look it up later and, and send it to you Here, here's my tips on hostels um you want to find a hostel that has w- two of like three or four things uh uh, uh a pool <laughs> breakfast 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 uh complimentary breakfast for everybody no, no 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 hear me out uh complimentary <laughs> breakfast for everybody and what was the third thing um uh if they have tour, like they offer tours, that's helpful. Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember what the the other thing I was thinking of was. Laundry, maybe? No, not laundry. But like my point in that is these are always, oh yeah, and activities like for the, uh, within the hostel. Um, all of this means, oh, a bar. Sorry, then. How did I that <laughs> Obviously, so, pool, Lewis. Pool, <laughs> pool bar, uh, breakfast, served, and activities. Like if it has two or three of those four, it's likely going to be a good hostel only because that means that they're trying to like make it more social. You laugh about the pool, but like the amount of time I've spent at like hostel pools, just like meeting people and making uh, friends out there is kind of ridiculous. So uh, yeah, and just because it has a pool doesn't mean it's breaking the bank. I want to say that the place I stayed was maybe... I mean, I don't know. It was maybe $20 a night. It is still super affordable.
0: Love that. I love that. Balling on a budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So you did Dia de los Muertos, which makes me really excited that you're saying that because I think I'm going to try to do it this year.
1: Yes. And this year will be even better because there were still some COVID restrictions. Oaxaca supposedly wasn't as crazy as it normally is, so I think this year is going to be madness.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm very excited then. Something I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. I, you know, uh, just you know studied Spanish
1: and whatever. But
0: that makes me so excited for it. So after Mexico, you you ended in Mexico City or a different city? Mexico City. Okay. And then you flew back to the States. What happened next?
1: Yeah. So I flew back to the States. I spent like um, a month or so there only because I had this wedding that I needed to officiate and my sister gave birth, so I wanted to spend time with like, her and the family, but was still traveling throughout the States. So uh, I was renting out my house and there was no reason for me to like, go back there. So it was just sort of meeting friends and, 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 and bouncing around the States um, for a little bit before, yeah, right after New Year's, heading off to Asia.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did, you, how did you decide Asia was the next move?
1: Yeah, so for me, Asia was always the goal of this uh, time off. Um, I'm half Filipino. My family or my immediate family has never visited um, the Philippines. And I wanted to go out there and just try to reconnect with that cultural side of me, which Mm -hmm. meant that I knew I was going to spend, you know, one, maybe two months there. um, And I wanted to give myself some time. So Southeast Asia was high on my list. Um, At the time, the Philippines hadn't reopened for tourists, but I just said to myself, listen, I'm going to take my chance. I'll go to the countries that are open and uh, just sort of wait it out in the hopes that I can get in there and, and, and get the experience that I was looking for.
0: Totally. Okay, cool. So you spent like a month or so in the States and then you hopped over to Asia. Exactly. Which country did you hit up first?
1: Started out with Thailand. Um, Thailand I had been to before. Um, so it was going to be a good in- reintroduction back to back Southeast Asia. Um, easy to fly into, easy to uh, get around, you know, again, lower COVID restrictions. Um, and just, again, a really good starting off point and, and way to ease myself into, into Asia.
0: Cool. And I assume that you flew into Bangkok. Yep, flew into Bangkok. Okay, got it. So tell us about um, you know, landing there, what you did first, how much time you spent, if you went to like a half moon or a full moon party, I hear those (laughs) are (laughs) crazy.
1: Oh, so Thailand is I think aside from uh aside from Mexico, my second favorite place. It's just got so much diversity. Um it's just one of the most beautiful places I've been. So throughout that trip, you know, spent some time in Bangkok, just sort of living that city life and and experiencing the city. I think similar to Oaxaca, Bangkok's the other place that I could actually see myself living in long-term. So that was really nice. Made it over to Kanchanaburi, which is where the bridge over River Kai and a bunch of um, uh, history is from um, some of the past wars Uh, so that was really interesting then made my way up north and had the second sort of most magical experience which was in chiang mai Uh, i ended up again volunteering but this time with a elephant um, sanctuary it was a place called elephant nature park and they went they rescued elephants from logging operations from uh, uh, you know, elephant shows, um, even from uh, just elephant riding, yeah. brought them back, allowed them to roam this huge, huge park um, and uh, let them sort of live the rest of their lives as they were meant to as elephants. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, it was a huge operation that also had, you know, 600 dogs, a thousand rescued cats, thousands of rescued um, uh, rabbits, hundreds of rescued water buffalo, all sort of living in peace and harmony there. So to learn about sort of the operation and to get a better sense of, of animal welfare, uh, number one was was incredible. Um, number two, the volunteering itself. While you know some of it was less than glamorous, I was literally shoveling shit every morning uh, <laughs> in the elephant pens. Um, but yeah listen someone's got to do it man and uh, we were the ones to do it Uh, so you know shoveling shit uh, we made the food for them so chopping sugar cane making these little rice bundles for the elephants and then you know feeding them with those um, was pretty magical Um, so that was incredible being able to walk among them um, just casually look over and you see this, you know, multi-ton animal just staring back at you and realizing, you know, you, yeah, you're a part of that environment was just incredible. Um, and on top of that, that's where I met, you know, four really, good friends who I ended up traveling with so two of them I ended up just traveling in Thailand with the other two were now on our fourth country uh together Um, so it's uh it's been kind of ridiculous um so just meeting the people and, and spending the time with them uh yeah it was one of the top experiences I've had
0: wow you're on your fourth country together where are they from
1: uh so One of them, they're a married couple. One of them is from London, the other one's from Melbourne. They lived in the UK throughout the pandemic and they came to Asia um, on their way to live in Melbourne. The funny part right now is we're, uh, so we met up and we we didn't travel the entire time together, but we've met up um, in cities uh, in the different countries. we met up here in uh, in Bali, and now they're thinking about, hey, should we move out here because this place is pretty awesome and it's close to Australia. So uh, they <laughs> they've fallen in love with this country.
0: Oh my gosh, this is the goal. And you you know that you know whenever you you meet up with those people because you just naturally kind of vibed into each other's lives that you're just gonna pick up where you left off and that you can. <clears throat> Like you can go to Australia and meet up with them and they can come visit you in the States. And that's like, well, yeah. So yeah, totally. Months ago you didn't even know they existed, which is just so beautiful. Right.
1: Yeah. It's insane. uh, Yeah. That they've become a part of my life and in a really significant way. Um, And yeah, where we may end up uh, reuniting is next year because the other couple who I mentioned before, who we traveled through Thailand, Ah, uh, they actually got engaged uh, in Thailand, and we were a part of that engagement. So we may end up reuniting at the wedding uh, in a year or so.
0: Lewis, that is so fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: They better get married like in Thailand or somewhere just super tropical and fun. They're
1: they're, they're doing it in uh, um, the English countryside. So uh, I'll take that. Still,
0: that's yeah, it's still not bad. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, spent spent a lot of time uh, uh, doing that, and, and the volunteer experience was great. Made my way up to Pi, which was just ten days of just uh, you know chilling out, beautiful mountains, uh, lots of partying there, and just had a great time uh, there. I will say the other part of Pi, um, which in retrospect is has enabled me to experience so much more. That's where I first learned to ride a motorbike. Mm -hmm. Um, Going into this trip, I had never ridden one before. And honestly, I was pretty scared of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But realized, like, especially for uh, Pai, which again is in Northern Vietnam, Mm -hmm. you kind of need that in order to see a lot of the sites and uh, really experience the city. So learned that there. And since then, you know, I've become uh, pretty proficient at riding it and enabled me to have just some of the most incredible adventures and experiences throughout Asia, just driving around and, and being able to see parts of the countries that I wouldn't be able to if I was just relying on, you know, buses, trains, taxis.
0: Right. How do you, how do you get one of the the motos? Like, I hear that people will spend just months in Vietnam or Thailand and they'll just buy a moped. A motorcycle, and then not a motorcycle. It's like a moped, Uh, and then they'll sell it. Or did you rent yours? How did you get it?
1: Yeah, so I just rented them because it would only be for say a couple days or a week at a time. I was never in like one place, and I didn't need. Or especially in Thailand, things are still spread out uh, far enough that you it would be impractical to sort of take for me at least impractical for me to take it to different places, especially with all my, uh, with my big bag. Um, So I never bought it, but yes, I did hear some stories about that, uh, especially in Vietnam where, yeah, you just talk with locals. They'll tell you who's selling some used motorbikes. In fact, now that, now that I think about it, there was this one, uh, these couple guys who did that. I think they paid like, I mean, they paid a premium because they were Westerners, but it was still like, maybe 800 or a thousand dollars for their motorbike and we're planning to resell it for about the same price uh once they made it to their final destination so uh so yeah definitely possible but i rented them out because honestly there was no place where it costed more than eight or ten dollars a day um and yeah which would be the same price you'd probably pay for a cab to get around somewhere
0: right and do you need a driver's license or do they not do they not really care
1: i mean (laughs) uh, yeah you you need a driver's license put it this way you need a driver's license to show to the cops if they pull you over and like just want to see some paper but it doesn't need to be like an actual motorcycle uh driver's license uh everywhere here in asia they're pretty lax about you know safety and uh and and some of those rules so don't need to worry about that
0: sure okay cool yeah the moto thing definitely Katya is super good about it she's like yeah i'm just gonna like i need to go buy a moped and i am it's i'm gonna have a little bit more of a learning curve there lou yeah
1: and you know some people never got comfortable with it and some people like were were sort of afraid uh to do it and everybody again is going to be different um i would highly encourage you to do it because again it just opens up so much and yeah it's just about being confident and being aware as you drive it and, you know it's fairly easy from there totally
0: cool okay so you spent how much time in thailand
1: yep so uh, going back to thailand two months in thailand after pi went down and did a full moon party uh which uh great experience um probably the last one i'm gonna do uh, <laughs> For a variety of reasons um, like Vegas like,
0: you do it once and you're like pretty good
1: yeah l- l- let's just say I ingested some things that I probably shouldn't have and uh mm-hmm. it was not it was not a, not a fun few days after that
0: oh no okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> but again part of part of the experience right part of the experience mm-hmm. so I did that and then like spent a couple weeks on this island called Kotao, also on the east uh, eastern part which was up until recently the most beautiful island and the most beautiful place i've ever been between you know the 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 scenery the sunsets the snorkeling and the wildlife that place was just it blew me away amazing
0: okay cool and this whole time also you were staying in
1: hostels <laughs> yeah again it was a combination of uh, well, no, let me take it back because at that point I started traveling more with uh, uh, with the four people I was talking about. So didn't stay in hostels in most places. I guess I stayed in one in Chiang Mai that was pretty good. Um, but outside of that, we were just uh, finding places that the five of us could like chill out in and then sort of staying together.
0: God, I bet that was so nice. And I see so many photos and videos and things of just the most insane I, when I'm bored, I go on Airbnb. Yeah, I'm that person. And mm-hmm. just with the pools overlooking the views and the trees yeah. and, oh, God, that must have been so nice. Yeah, it, it was it was magical. So I hear that... I've never been to Thailand. I've actually never been to Southeast Asia. Um, but I hear that the food in the north is quite different from the food in the south in Thailand. Did you find yeah, that to be
1: Yeah, it was... Um, Yeah, it was different. I think there are definitely specialty uh, specialty items that you find different in different places. Mm -hmm. So in the north, for example, there was this one dish called cow sock that was this sort of soup uh, with noodles and meat and it was phenomenal and incredible. Whereas the south was a little spicier but the thing about Thailand is you can pretty much find like all of your staples, um, uh, any restaurant that you go to. So there is a lot of mixing and matching, but if you are looking for understanding the differences between the two, definitely do like a food tour or food class in both places, mm-hmm. cause, or in, in all the different places, because uh, that's a great way to, again, meet other people and just learn a little bit more about the uh, the food itself. Totally,
0: yeah. Absolutely. I think something that we we don't, you know, focus on enough is if you get Thai food in the States, it's, it's what like drunken noodle or pad Thai or something right. like that. But when you, you know, if you take the time to find like a northern Thai restaurant or a southern Thai restaurant or you go to Thailand, uh, just kind of noticing the nuance between the, the different, you know, cuisines in, in different parts of the country is um, is really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, here here's another fun food fact for you. Uh, Southeast Asia, they don't use chopsticks. Uh, I've gotten very proficient using a spoon and a fork uh, to eat everything. So next time uh, you order Thai food, throw away those chopsticks. Use a spoon and a fork.
0: They use a spoon and a fork? We've been punked? This is like Santa Claus. Are you serious? Okay, so not to leave on a Thai food, chopsticks, spoon, and a fork cliffhanger there, but Lewis and I were having so much fun talking about his story that we actually kind of lost track of time and he remembered that he had to go to a chocolate making class in Bali so there will definitely be a part two we'll pick up on Thailand we've gone over four countries and we have five more countries to go over Lou has so many more just crazy stories which he'll dive into the first part was like a lot of practical tips and stuff like that so we'll definitely go over more stories kind of other people that he's met along the way and things like that so thank you so much for tuning into part one and we will see you at part two ciao ciao